0: Hey, this is Chase. This episode is brought to you by HoneyBook. HoneyBook asked Natalie Frank about how she took her creative passion from a side hustle to a full-time business. And in today's episode, you'll hear a little clip with her talking about how she uses HoneyBook to do what she loves full-time. So stay tuned for that. Let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to The Fizzle Show! What's up, everybody? Yeah, I've got a little bit of a deep voice today because my baby was up so early because entrepreneurship and child rearing. Oh boy. So it's the fizzle show. Can we get a duo? Uh, let, let me no. No, we're sticking with this, darn it. Not
1: this is the word. fizzle
0: show though, where we where we talk about things that are interesting to real life entrepreneurs. People who sometimes have to wake up early with babies. Did I mention that my baby got up early this morning? I'm kidding. But we talk to real life entrepreneurs, we talk about things that are important and interesting to real life entrepreneurs. Uh Uh, And we do it honestly here. That's our, uh, that's like our value is we want to tell the truth. I mean, we want lots and lots and lots of people to listen to this thing, but we also have to tell the truth. Um, and I bet we could get a lot more if we didn't tell the truth so often. (laughs) I bet we could get a lot more people listening if we didn't tell the truth so often, guys. We might want to consider that as a brand message. Uh, welcome if it's your first time here, there are three of us on the call. Steph Crowder, say hi, Steph.
1: Hey, everybody. I'm happy to be here today.
2: All right. Corbett Barr. I'm going to have to, like, step it up. You guys, I mean, st- we've got Steph over here with a uh, little illness that she's been dealing with for a few days.
1: <laughs> hey, that you know? was pretty good for having a really no, sore throat. No, no, no. <laughs> it,
2: it was good for having a sore throat. I it's appreciate for that. strep throat. It's yeah. crazy. It's
1: really bad, but it's Steph okay. is really
0: coming through for us today, yes. so... And Chase with his grogginess. I'm not that groggy. I just, I just really like, because the nature of our content today, like the topic sure? that we're talking about, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. I just, just couldn't want to start really off. quite get a full, yeah, a full hello and welcome to the fizzle show. Because today we're talking about something that's, that's just, it's sort of, he- it's not sort of heavy. It really is heavy. It's really heavy this week. Um, and, and in the last couple weeks, this week. Anthony Bourdain uh, took his own life and and to me this is just this is again just one of the stories another story is Kate Spade very f- famous designer purse maker lady um, of, of New York I think and both of these both of these folks who are kind of like really ballers kind of like really like to me when I think I know I don't know Kate Spade very well at all but I know I've followed Anthony Bourdain for a long time I mean, he's like He's in a very real sense, a hero to me, you know, because I love the idea of, for some reason, I, I, I'm i trying, like we're building these platforms, you know, to me at some age, it just became interesting. Like, well, you can become a Gary Vaynerchuk or a Casey Neistat or an Anthony Bourdain or a, uh, who's the, the you can become an Ellen DeGeneres. You can become an Eddie Murphy. You can become a, like, you know what I mean? It's like, I think of all of these as this, like nowadays, we I think about in terms of platform You build this platform, you build this brand, you build this body of work, you build this thing, and it's related to what you care about, uh, how you do your work, whether or not you get your work done, what kinds of work you commit yourself to, what ways you bring yourself to that work, how you roll that up into, into more and like into doing better and better work and wider and wider, you know, arenas and stuff like that. And so Anthony Bourdain to me is an excellent example of someone who, who really crushed it you know he really he he was so, he felt he always felt so authentic and real everybody who knows him i saw like for instance joe rogan knows him really well and the way that he kind of would, would has been talking about missing Anthony and stuff like that. It's it just, it's really touching. Like, it's like, dude, this guy showed up in his relationships in real ways. Like, he had real deep conversations with people. He was very open about the things he was struggling with and the challenges that he's had through his, his life with substances and addiction and, and depression and, and all of this stuff. And, and, uh, and yet, and yet, he was also becoming successful. Do you know what I mean? He was also doing the work in the world. And I think this is what got so intense for me about this one in particular. It reminded me of when Robin Williams happened and that was like, for some reason that really got me too. like that. Like I, I don't know. Like I did not expect that. And it was so surprising and it, and it really affected me for several months. Well, Bourdain reminded me of that. And then I saw this tweet from Dave Pell who is, he He runs like a, a really big, uh, uh, email newsletter service called... Wasn't it called Next, the Next Web? Program? Next Draft. Next, Next Draft. And he said this. He said, listen, Bourdain had fame and money. The demon doesn't care about that. He was the coolest cat around, and he really was. The demon does not care about that either. Bourdain was a beloved voice in our culture. The demon doesn't care about any of that. If you're hurting... You are not weak. You're a human. And what struck me so much about this was just how much of my own life I've been trying to get to some version of fame or money or being the coolest cat around or becoming a beloved voice in our culture. Like To me, the idea of attaining those of being successful in becoming a beloved voice in in a in a culture, right? Is something I have I've just naturally behind the scenes almost subconsciously that's just been such a motivator for me. Like almost as if I've been thinking like if I could just get there, then I would be happier. I would be more fulfilled, I would be more connected and loving. I would be more of the things I I think life should probably feel like, you know? And Bourdain had it, had that, those things in spades in such, and he, he was so authentic and cool and street and had all the cred, right? It's just all that stuff that you see. A lot of celebrities don't really end up having the cred like that. And he did. And it's like in there too, you know, with, with him too. And it's just such a powerful and incredibly challenging, and devastatingly sad thing for me to realize, both for Anthony, but I don't know Anthony. I never had a conversation with Anthony Bourdain. Like, right? Like, so many people ha- are, are, are are passing away today that I just I just don't know anything about. It. I never heard anything about. It. And so I like, so it's like we deal with death all the time. Like, why is this such a big deal? You know? And for me, part of it is like, is just this sense of the guy According to me, like to, to my map of the of the world, he looked like he had it all, and it wasn't enough. And Steph, this would be awesome. I would you mentioned this Jim Carrey quote before we start really getting into the conversation and talking in, uh, about this whole thing because um, we're gonna have an honest conversation about what it's like to be an entrepreneur, about what how the role of mental health, about uh, how how we ourselves have had these battles and and the tools and the resources and the practices that we've found can be really helpful and some ideas that frankly just need to be installed if they're not already you know but there's this quote that you mentioned stuff of that Jim carrey said would you read that thing that maybe yeah. maybe let's read the the whole thing because it was like who is this from
1: uh okay so this is from someone over in the Courage and Clarity community I'll protect this person's identity just because this mm-hmm. is such a sensitive topic um, and, and to be honest, this is actually a topic that comes up a lot in the community that I run over on Facebook. I, I would say it's one of the po- most popular topics, is, which I actually uh, take as an honor that people come into a space that I run to talk about mental state and depression and managing yeah. depression, specifically as an entrepreneur. So this person posted this great quote from from Jim Carrey, but I'll also read what she said because I think a lot of us, like you yeah. said, Chase, the reason we're talking about this is because it is so relevant to those of us who are trying to build a business. She said, in the wake of recent celebrity suicides who seemed to be doing well in life in terms of doing what they love, I realized that changing what I do to earn a living and earning more money may not help me recover from my depression. I've been working with counselors thinking if I could change something about how I work, I'll get better. But now I'm wondering if it's a lot deeper than that. Mm. So I just love the way that she put that, right? It's like, what what a realization. So she shared this little snippet and maybe we can put the whole, link to the Jim Carrey interview because the whole thing's very interesting. But here's the snippet yeah. that she shared. In an interview this year, the comedian comedian and actor Jim Carrey talked about getting to the place where you have everything everybody has ever desired and realizing that you are still unhappy and mm. that you can still be unhappy is a shock when you have accomplished everything you ever dreamed of and more. If only we get that big raise or a new house or have children, we will finally be happy, but we won't. In fact, as Carrie points out, in many ways, achieving all your goals provides the opposite of fulfillment. It lays bare the truth that there is nothing you can purchase, possess, or achieve that will make you feel fulfilled over the long term. Rather than pathol. Patholo- pathologizing, that is a hard word, guys. Pathologizing, Mm -hmm. the despair and emotional suffering that is a rational response to a culture that values people based on ever-escalating financial and personal achievements, we should acknowledge that something is very wrong. We should stop telling people who yearn for a deeper meaning in life that they have an illness or need therapy. Instead, we need to help people craft lives that are more meaningful and built on a firmer foundation than personal success. Yes, there are people who have chemical imbalances who should be supported and treated with medicine. But most Americans are depressed, anxious, or suicidal because something is wrong with our culture, not because something is wrong with them. Hmm. So this quote, I hope it I hope it's not taken in a way that's like more depressing. I, I personally don't see it that way at all. Maybe I can share the way that I read this. It yeah. hits it hits home for me in a big way. Um, people who listen to the show for a long time know this, but maybe newer listeners don't. This is really relevant to my life. I have a brother who we lost to drug overdose and it went so much deeper than that. Um, When I think about my brother he had it all. I mean, this is something that my dad has actually really struggled with in his healing is like, he plays this game of like, I don't get it. We had the perfect family. I, we, I have the perfect yeah. marriage. We have the perfect house. He had the perfect upbringing. We had all the money. He had hockey. Mm-hmm. He had all the things. And it's taken now almost two years for my dad to start to kind of see the tip of that iceberg. That's like, Oh wait, not, the, the demon doesn't care, right? To, to, yeah. to quote that quote that you just mentioned. But it's really hard to wrap your head around that um, it's really not about having all of the things. There is something something so much deeper here. And if I had a dime for every time someone either told myself or someone in my family, just get therapy, get help, get help, get help. It's exhausting. And it's not, it's mm. not helpful at a certain yeah. point. Like you get the therapy, you get the help. And I just think there are probably people out there who can relate to this where it's like, Therapy is great, but there needs to be a larger conversation here about why people feel marginalized to this degree.
0: So no. I don't know. That's what comes up mm. for me right away. And the, the, that's, I mean, that's so, so well said, Steph. And I just, that, that quote, that Jim Carrey quote again getting to the place where you have everything everybody has ever desired and then realizing you're still unhappy and that you can still be unhappy is a shock. Yeah. when you have accomplished everything you've ever dreamed of and more and i think that's sort of part of the crux of this conversation today it's that it's that almost reality check that like just so you know you probably already know this but just in case you don't success doesn't fix it yeah you know, it, it's like, Corbett, what's your take on, on this idea of like, of, of like, almost like there's this, this underlying psychology we're managing as well as the business that we're trying to create.
1: I
2: I think of the, the, the old adage that money can't buy love or money can't buy happiness. And yeah. and like when you're a kid, it's kind of hard to comprehend, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it seems like, well, if I have as much money as, as, possible, then I can just buy happiness. I can mm-hmm. I can do anything I want. And I, and a lot of us seek entrepreneurship, not just for money. You know, maybe we get a little older and we realize that money isn't the solution to everything, but then we start thinking, well, maybe freedom is maybe personal mm-hmm. freedom is maybe working on something that I care about is right. Maybe there are enough facets to running your own business that that will fill the hole in my heart or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. And that will finally make every day an amazing day of yeah. unicorns and rainbows. Yeah. Um, but I think the point of today, what we want to say, and we don't, and and we will have some hopeful bits here in a little bit yeah. um, for people listening to this, because there are amazing things about being an entrepreneur, but. It's not a silver bullet. And just because you have plenty of money and plenty of personal freedom and you're working on something that you care about doesn't mean that you are automatically going to be magnificently happy and content Mm -hmm. and that every day is going to be great. You as an entrepreneur have to know that if you're feeling something now Before you're successful, if you're feeling, if there's, you know, there's, if you have mental health struggles, like almost all of us do, Mm -hmm. those are still going to exist. And we want to share that just partly to let people know that they're not alone and this is normal. And also to help people understand that going into this, you have to manage all of that. You have Mm -hmm. to expect all of this. You have to do the hard work and, Not bury yourself in 60 hour weeks, hoping that if you just get through all of this and you find success, whatever that means, that it will all be perfect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think like, let's, let's head into this area here. You brought, you, you just touched something that is so important. It's this idea that, that we ourselves, we now find ourselves as, as, (laughs) as a manager of ourselves. Right. It's like you, you think entrepreneurship, like you think you haven't hired somebody yet. You have. You've hired yourself. You know, you're, a, I'm a solopreneur. No, you're not. Like you're a CEO and you're this, you're a, an actual person as well. You're someone who has a particular level of energy to do that task right now. You're someone who didn't sleep very well last night or you're someone who slept great last night. You're someone who, who you're an employee. You know what I mean? You have a life and, um, and you have other things on your brain besides your business. As much as it sometimes feels like it's all we ever think about, you know, but this is your, this is also your responsibility to, to manage. This is my responsibility to manage, right? That like I realized at some point, like I think it was actually back when, right when, uh, Robin Williams happened that like I started getting, really serious about my own depression like started realizing just how how intense it can be and how debilitating how challenging it can be to just try to show up for the things that i need to show up for i need to show up for my son i need to show up for my wife i need to show up for my business partner corbett and for like my my employees and for my uh my customers right and for my like the parts of myself that i still want to be caring about and doing i need to show up in so many ways and it's like god i cannot get out of bed i cannot do this with a smile on my face i cannot i cannot i cannot i cannot it was very debilitating and so i started going to a therapist um and at and at the time i was i we went with, uh, with as a couple my wife and i because most of the depression showed up in she she would get the brunt of of all of my failures elsewhere, like I would end up taking it out on her or my, I would be the least capable of keeping a smiley face on when I'm with her effectively. Um, and so we went through, we went to counseling for a long time there. And then eventually I actually got recommended to go see another counselor, a therapist, Who uh, was a somehow more intense? Had like had like a a steeper pay grade and had like more more ability to diagnose things or whatever, Um, and and that was that was helpful. And she gave me a clean bill of health, basically. But just like the sense that I'm going to be managing this the rest of my life is what came out of all of it. Right, and I think of, and this is why that recovery language has become so powerful to me. I just think of all the times I've seen in those movies that are based on the real thing. Like they're in they're in these movies because it actually is this gritty scene in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, and some dude or lady like named Gary or Sue is saying, "Hi, my name's Sue. Uh, I'm an alcoholic. I've been sober for 35 years." Do you know what I mean? It's this sense of like this, this addiction that like I've, I'm an alcoholic. I haven't touched the stuff in 35 years, you know, but I'm an alcoholic. It, that's what's so great about that recovery language. What's been so useful in it is it does, it admits this addiction and the power of it. And the, the, what under, what's underneath the addiction is like this emotional trauma, this need, this pain. Um, for, for, for a million reasons, it's there. But the big point that I had to, that took me a while to get was this sense that, like, dude, it's actually, this is mine to manage. This is mine to manage. And it is manageable. For me, it is manageable. That's not the case for everybody. For me, it is manageable. And maybe, maybe it's an interesting time to talk about all our own experiences with what are, how have we, we all have entrepreneurs have bad days, have bad weeks, can feel down in the dumps, can can have a season of just like ah oh, man, I just didn't even show up for the last two and a half months. You know what I mean? Like what has been wrong with me? Um, we can all we all go through this. It again and again, and I think the practices there are exactly the same for my. I mean, maybe I had just more of a interpersonal crisis. <laughs> of identity and in, in the depression or something, but it was, it was bad weeks, bad days, bad seasons. And, and there were things that I started doing that, that helped me through it. Steph, like you've mentioned having, having practices before. What, what, how do you manage this sort of thing when it shows up?
1: I think it's really useful. Well, first of all, I'll say so much of what you were just talking about, the word that comes up for me is the word belonging. And I think that that's something uh, I know Brene Brown talks a lot about in her most recent book, Braving the Wilderness, which is a great book. Um, I think the antidote to so much of what we're talking about is belonging and feeling like you belong somewhere with someone and that you can really be seen for, for who you are and not be... You know, marginalized as a loser, or so it's like someone who just, you know, can't be accepted. So yeah. I think one big thing to think about is how do you find, how do you belong? How do you belong with yourself when you're alone in a room? How do you belong with the people that you keep company with? Because mm. everyone. Everyone does belong, you know, and it doesn't feel yeah. that way, but just inherently by being on the planet, I believe that you belong. So I think it's really important in the entrepreneurial space to find that, find a place mm-hmm. where you feel like you belong, whether it's the Fizzle community, which is a very, very open and supporting space, or maybe it's a mastermind group, something, something where you feel like you're part of the crew. I think that. People underestimate, we've talked about this probably ad nauseum, but people underestimate the value of that. Um, So that has played a huge role in my life. Feeling like Mm. I belong with you guys as supporters of mine, feeling like I belong with the women, female entrepreneurs who support me and my mastermind group. Uh, Game changer, absolute game changer. I feel like I belong in my house, You know, people Mm. I surround myself with. So that's really important. And then the other thing that's really helpful for me when I'm dealing with this stuff is I really try to see everything as a practice. Like that word practice is really useful. It's obviously a really big word in yoga uh, for a reason, which is like, it implies that you're never done. Hmm. And I think that that was maybe something that I subconsciously didn't realize when I- started living my life in this entrepreneurial way, I kind of thought like, once I get the picture right the first time, then I'm set. And like, kind of like the back to the the quote from the, you know, person in my community that I mentioned, you think, okay, if I become an entrepreneur, it's my days are going to be perfect. And what I find to be true for me is I set it up and it's going good. And then it kind of goes off the rails, similar to what we talked about last week in that productivity episode. And instead of, I have to like, forcibly check myself i have to like consciously check myself and say hold on a second like you're in the driver's seat here similar to what you just said chase about this being manageable i think when you build something when you care when you're running a business it feels like oh my god and now this is like a runaway train and this is just how life is now and and do i even like my life the whole point kind of start i start to do this like spinning thing where i'm like I set this up to spend more time with my daughter and now I have less time. And what, how did I do this? And the more times I've gone around and around with that, the quicker I think I come back to the center, which is like, hold on, hold on. I'm in control here. Like I can set this up any way I want to. I could blow the whole thing up if I want to. And that's okay. Um, so for me, it comes back to this practice of, what do I want my day to look like? Like, what, do, mm. what, am, I, what am I doing this for? If I wake up tomorrow morning and I'm, I'm diagnosed with stage four cancer, like, how do I want to say that I lived my life now like it starts now and i think Mm -hmm. i see that as really empowering not pressure and maybe maybe it doesn't strike everyone that way i encourage people to find what works for them well for me
0: for at different times it wasn't empowering and then at other times it is it's like it's like related to how i don't know what how competent i feel (laughs) to and like how it, it relates to how likely how likely do i think failure is Mm-hmm. Almost, you know, it's like in some ways it's that. I, I, I'm sorry, I stepped on your toes no, there. Okay, just- you're good. What were you, you, what were you heading towards though?
1: I think I was, what I was heading towards is for me the way it shows up is it feels like pressure and yeah. pressure doesn't feel good to anybody mm-hmm. it feels like you're not like there's a million balls in the air and I do not like when I feel like a plate's hitting the floor it's not my mm-hmm. thing so when I take the pressure off of myself and say hold on like what really matters here uh, and then I think about what matters and it's like waking up and getting to step out into my backyard and like have yeah. a hot coffee and like li- like give my daughter a hug then I'm like oh my god like coming back to that north star i think is what's really useful then you can ask questions like what would happen if i just took the pressure off of this situation um that's what works for me but it's a practice it gets sometimes it gets really far out of control before i'm in this space like i have strep throat guys i probably get like ran myself into the ground it's a cycle for me so i think part of it is getting in touch with like what does your personal cycle look like and when it's time to course correct practice getting things to a good place and I think like anything that you practice you get better at that with each go around mm. at least mm. that's how it's been for me so far
0: yeah when, from all that you have said there it reminds the word in my head is, is something actually you said before we started recording was you never stop tweaking no you know what I mean? And I yeah. like that. It's like you said in there, like you're never done. You're never done, which kind of feels like, oh, I just want to, but the truth is, if you can look at this as like, it's, you remember Mr. Miyagi in, in, in Ki- like Karate Kid 2, I think is when he has the bonsai trees, right? And he's like so serious about just trimming up this bonsai tree because like the point is you want it to, to grow to be a certain thing for a certain amount of year. Like it's like go as long as you can without it getting so big that it dies, effectively. Without it like going running so amuck that it dies. So you in order to keep this thing alive, you have to have this pruning thing going on. We have to know what this tree sort of likes and how it needs to grow and and what's too much and what's too little. And it's a thing you kind of tend to every day or two, making little nips and cuts here and, and there. And so it's like It's like we all have a bonsai tree. Mm. You know, it's like we all have the bonsai tree. And that's just one of the things we do in our lives as a grown up is we tend to our bonsai tree. And it's like, all right, are we feeling good enough? Are we feeling too good? Are we feeling bad? Are we feeling too bad? How are we feeling about our relationships? How about belonging? Do we have a sense of progress in our business? Is there a sense of purpose in our lives? Do we feel connected to our sort of authentic self? Am I becoming more myself or less myself? It's like these are just the little nips and cuts sort of everyday sort of thing. And if I'm honest... Uh, when I think about, I'm just realizing like we have like such a good resource about this very exact thing. But well, I wasn't even thinking about that when we started talking, maybe we'll come back to that when we start getting into the Uber hopeful part, even though to me, this is already the hopeful message. The yeah. main message is you are you like, like it's the main message is what my midwife said to my wife when we were when we were in labor was one with certainly one of the hardest experiences of my entire life right and the midwife said to my wife who's in the middle of transition transition in labor is that point where you're like every woman says basically the same thing like i can't do this Mm -hmm. It's like up to now, it's been, we've been breathing. I've been leaning in. I've been, you know, finding my center. I've been grounding. I've been uh, welcoming the pain and then something changes, you know? Yep. And it's like, I can't do it. You know what I'm talking about, Steph? Just a little bit. (laughs) Uh, uh, And, and I've seen it. I've seen it three times now with my wife. And the, the thing my midwife said is she like got my wife to look her right in the face. And she said, you can do this. You are doing it. Mm -hmm. And it's that. That, to me, is the message. You are already tending your bonsai. You have been unconsciously for forever. Now it needs to make its way into your conscious life as a thing that you manage because it devastates you and the people around you when you let your bonsai run amok. Yeah,
1: and I love that analogy because maybe part of this is like, Let's all just, let's recognize that we all have a bonsai. I think it's really easy to feel isolated and feel like something's wrong with me that, like, why can't I just get this right? I cannot tell you how often I hear that from people that I coach. They're like, why, why can't I just do this? Like everybody else does this. Like, why do I keep having these setbacks? I'm like, because we all, because (laughs) like, it's like everybody has their version of this. And I know that that's brought me a tremendous amount of comfort to know that like, there's not something wrong with me. This is just like what it is to be not only an entrepreneur, but a human being. It's, I think that maybe that goes back to that, that belonging piece.
0: Totally. Corbett Barr, what are you hearing over there, man? Well, first of all,
2: um, I want to say that I don't want someone listening to this who feels suicidal to think that some change in how they manage their day is going to make those feelings go away. And if you yeah. are legitimately thinking about ending your life you need to talk to someone it's not something that will just go away because of some little tweak that you make 100 there there are um there are differences in in levels of depression and i think we all have the the deepest of days sometimes and other seasons were just kind of vaguely depressed or whatever but if it's really heavy for you if it's really serious then you should talk to someone and, and chase you have a, a number that people can call right
0: yeah you can call the i don't want to call it the national suicide prevention lifeline i want to talk i wanted this to be rebranded for forevermore as the like hey let's talk to somebody for a little while fun phone Yeah, Or something like that. Because it's such a serious thing to the idea of calling the suicide prevention hotline. But the truth is, (laughs) maybe we should all give it a call. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Maybe we should all give it a call and just go like, hey, how's my bonsai? But the number is 1-800-273-8255. All right? It's 1-800-273-8255. It's available 24 hours a day. If you know that you're in over your head, it's it's like it's deeper now and you're starting to get scared, don't be in those waters alone. Yeah. Don't do it. It's it you don't get any points for doing that alone. In fact, it can it can wreak havoc being there for too long, right? Call up this fun phone. Talk to someone. You know what I realized was super valuable for me is I, I made a rule with my wife that it's like okay when I notice I'm getting depressed I, here's what's going to happen I'm going to say babe I'm realizing I'm I'm fe- I'm very depressive or I'm feeling depressed and you don't get to ask me about it you just get to say what are we watching on Netflix I'll get the sweatpants honey do you know what I mean It was just like I just need to feel like like you're not judging me for this yeah do you know what i mean i just need to feel and i just needed to feel that for a while yeah that's it and that was steph to your point about belonging yeah that was such a big deal for me just to be able to to say it to someone to literally to the person that that i'm the hardest on about it and get them to to and notice that the response there and to have her learn how to make the first response because she wants to fix it you know to learn that the first response is not don't fix me dude just just don't reject me. <laughs> like yeah. actively, not reject me mm-hmm. right now. You know what I think? Actively, don't reject me right now. And it's what and it covers so it covers a multi That's what I call connection. Is when you realize in your weak state, someone still prefers you, someone still champions you, someone still cares. You know, and I think as a kid, maybe I didn't get a lot of that. And even though my parents loved me so much, but I just have such a hunger for that. I think a lot of us really do Some,
2: mm-hmm. something that's been kind of freeing for me is is realizing that in my 20s, I was quick to wallow in my situation mm. and blame my situation, like my job or mm. where I lived. You know, Portland yeah. can be a really depressing place in the winter after it's been raining for three or four months or whatever. And yeah. And I remember blaming that for how I felt or blaming the job that I had to show up to that I wasn't into for some reason for how I felt. Mm. And now after working for 15 years, I've changed all of that, right? I have a job that I love to show up to every day and I can live wherever I want. In fact, I do. I avoid the winters. Now I live in the sunshine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. However, However, like Jim Carrey said, I can be just as f***ing depressed now as I was then. Mm-hmm. The exact same. like Pit of despair, can't pull yeah. yourself out of it, wonder what the hell is wrong with you, and that to me at first is shocking, then it's a little bit depressing, right? Because the thing that you worked so hard for didn't solve it. But, Then it's kind of freeing because you realize that, wait, I don't have, there's, this doesn't have to take some 15 year thing that I work on to fix. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's probably something that I can address today. It's something that I can work with people on I can work on myself with I can recognize Mm. that diet and exercise and not drinking too much and the people that I surround myself with and enjoying the little things like the walk in the morning or getting to have, you know, some great lunch or something, those things Mm matter to me and surrounding myself with people that I care about. Those matter to me as well. So just recognizing that it's not the pursuit of something, it's not success. that's going to make you happy. It's all the, the webbing that you build in your life Mm. that, that supports you from day to day. And, and that's, that's a good thing, I think.
0: Yeah. And again, I hear in that, this agency, this sense of like, wait, hold on. There's there. I might not be able to fix this all, it might not go away forever, but maybe there's something I can do. Oh wait, like exercise. Like we know that exercise is as effective over the long haul as any antidepressant medication that we have. And it's free. You can just step outside with some shoes on and go for a little run. Get into some stuff. you know. But, it's, but, ima- but realize all of the crazy stuff you have to overcome just to get in a place where you're exercising. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All the mental resistance, all the like, but I'm busy and I got all this other stuff going, all the like, you know what I mean? You have to literally get dirty and sweaty and you put on clothes that get like, you have to immediately wash. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's just so challenging on so many levels. And yet just one of those things, diet is another you mentioned, Corbett, where it's like, dude, there's stuff we can be just learning and trying. And now you have a project. (laughs) And some projects are better than others. When I went through an intense time of grief, one of the pieces of advice, the only piece of advice I remember from that time was a guy who was like, hey, dude, when I was in a situation like this, my uh, my mentor told me, don't buy a car, don't buy a house.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just like, your mind is going to look for a project to like not have to deal with this stuff. And you sh- you can have projects, but like and you'll need projects, but not, don't go for, don't do Do one of those big ones. Don't do something like that where it's really, you're going to feel like from your wallet is going to be telling you, you better be thinking a lot about this. You know, just lay off of that for a while and get into something like yoga. (laughs) Maybe like, maybe take up a new exercise, maybe do spin class for like a month. Just give yourself a goal of like, I go to spin class because the guy tells me what to do, you know? Um, but Corbett, again, that point of, you have a, we have, we have this agency that we can choose to use or, or not, you know, and it's going to come down to that every time. And, um, for, for talking about those of us who can manage, manage this, you know, which, which is statistically the vast majority of us. Um, so I think of, of another thing that's been incredibly useful for me. Actually, and this is funny because it's like, uh, it's like I didn't really realize it. I, I'm realizing it now more than ever, even though I haven't been doing it anymore. But the, the practice of affirmations was just, <laughs> like I'm looking back on it going like, dude, I think that really changed my life looking back. Like I don't really do it anymore. I just did it for like a season, um, and a pretty long season. Uh, and I learned how to, how to do it, like how, how to like just say something like, hold on, I am safe. And just kind of like let that sink in, like say it again, like I am safe, like I'm safe, like I, and feel that stuff you mentioned earlier. What it does is it, the pressure, yeah, the pressure, it's like it, it's like it shows me, like, dude, look at what you're holding yourself underneath. Mm-hmm. Look what you're holding yourself underneath. You're, if you're safe, you wouldn't need to think about like, you wouldn't need to be holding all of that crap. You know what I mean? Um, it was like, it was like constantly the different thing of like, I am safe or, or one other great one that was like, I am on an endless journey throughout eternity. There's plenty of time. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> Just that idea. There's plenty of time. I'm on an endless journey throughout eternity. Who knows what we are, right? I tend to believe that we have this like spark of the divine, like energy soul, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I'm confused about it, but I can, but I'm like, dude, there's more than my meat suit. You know, there's something inside that, that even if it doesn't live forever, like it's going to love living through this life. I'm on an endless journey. There's plenty of time. Enjoy, enjoy now. Enjoy now a little bit. Right. Um, but that practice of affirmation was like, like really kind of life changing when I think back on it. And the only, the only thing that I did to learn how to do that, I got this tiny little book, this weirdo book, you guys. Weirdo book. I don't, you don't have to subscribe to all, anything about it, but just, it's a thin little book called, um, Heal Your Body. <laughs> I recommend just like not reading the introduction unless you're like hecka woo. <laughs> Cause it's Luis Hay, who's just a hecka woo lady. But, in there is like all of these body ailments and then like a an affirmation that that like she or you know so i don't know who created about this thing right so again you don't have to subscribe to the to the woo sort of this will heal that so much as like i just look through my list of all like anything like depression lower back pain psoriasis like whatever all of these kinds of things and i wrote down the affirmation that was over there um, and then i just had a big list of it in my in my notebook in my journal and then any day, every day I would come in and I would like kind of pick a few that I would write down for, you know, for, I'd pick like three or four that I'd just write, you know, I'd just like hand copy. So I wouldn't have to like make something up every day, but that's all I did. And it was really useful. It was like, it was like really cool, actually. One of those things that just shows it like shines the light right on one of the like right on this like weird belief that I'm believing. That's like, wait, wait, should that even be there? Should that even be there? And that's to me what has been such an important and essential part of managing that bonsai tree, you know, just every day, like, Hey, should this, Hey, you're feeling like this or thinking like this. Should that, do we want to do that? Should that be, is that true? Is that true? Cause if it's not like true, true, true for everyone, everywhere, like, why are you taking it on? Mm. You know, like why, why, why are we doing that? So it's, it, it's been really helpful in that sense. Let me read a, we got two sponsors and then, um, and then let's get into some, let's get into some of, uh, we've already been talking about the tools. Let's talk about some more of, and maybe share some personal stories about like, what have we been doing that's been helpful to manage the sense that like, success actually isn't going to heal this thing that that a lot, that pretty much kind of, kind of a lot of us really have, all right? So first of all, here's a little message from HoneyBook.
1: I got into photography because I love
2: documenting the most important days in people's lives, but I had no idea how much time I would spend running the business. HoneyBook changed all of that. It streamlines my entire process and handles everything about making my business thrive.
0: Okay, so that's one entrepreneur's story of of how she used HoneyBook to to help get her business, her passion project to go full-time right? The thing that HoneyBook does is it, is it kind of does a lot of things that, that we all sort of need in one place, all right? It powers creative entrepreneurs by taking care of things like business management, invoicing, payment processing, and some other stuff. So like you as the entrepreneur can get back to doing more of what you love. This is the goal of Honeybook and also our, our next sponsor, Gusto. Like these tools, like MailChimp, ConvertKit, like all of these things, they, try, they like, we like exist on, on these tools. They totally help the blood to pump through our business's sort of body, if you'll allow the metaphor. So Honeybook is offering Fizzle Show listeners 30% off of their first year. That's a, kind of a big discount. Just head to honeybook.com slash fizzle. That's Honeybook.com slash fizzle and use the promo code or use the promo code fizzle when you start a free trial. And then our other sponsor for this episode is Gusto and Gusto Corbett is payroll and HR. They have a nice shiny new website, by the way. I was looking at those colors and the way the little animation works and I was like, dude these guys got someone good over there.
2: Mm -hmm, They do. And uh, not just in design, but the entire suite is really easy to use. If you need to run payroll, provide benefits uh, or hire someone, pay a contractor, Gusto is hands down the best place you're going to find to do that. It says here that uh, on average people spend five minutes or less a month on payroll if they're using Gusto. And for me, that's totally accurate. In fact, you can put it on autopilot and just have the thing run, not even have to worry mm. about it. It's a pleasure yeah. to use. Um, we've been a customer for a long time and uh, Gusto is the best way to run payroll. And if you'd like to get three months of payroll for free, you can head to gusto.com slash fizzle. That's G-U-S-T-O dot com slash
0: fizzle. Awesome. Thanks to Gusto and HoneyBook for supporting The Fizzle Show and Indie Business in general. Um, Okay, guys. So, Steph, what needs to be said that hasn't been said already?
1: Mm, That's a pretty big question. Um, I don't know that I have much more to say beyond what we've talked about so far. I think, I don't know, I guess what comes to mind for me is these conversations, like it's been really interesting. So, at the time of us recording this, I think it's been, I mean, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain happened just a couple days apart, right? So, this was all last week at the time mm-hmm. of this recording. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, things like this happen, and I feel like there's some discussion, but I've actually found it really refreshing that there's been this level of discussion, at least on my social media. Maybe it's the same for you guys, where there's just more dialogue. I've seen more people sharing their stories. I mean, people I really look up to have sh- taken to Instagram and talked about a time when they contemplated ending their own lives. And I just think it's really important that this discussion is happening. Um, again, going back to my own personal experience, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I just see so much of this having to do with, back to Jim Carrey's quote as well, it is cultural in that I think the conversation, the dialogue, and the openness uh, makes people feel like they have a place. And to me, like when I think about, maybe this is something we haven't talked about yet. When I think about what I can do, especially in a time where I am feeling stable and who knows what the future will hold for my mental state, you know, in this exact moment, I feel good. It feels more than ever that a lot of us, I think are mobilizing in the direction of being proactive, of reaching out to people and helping people who maybe aren't doing as well. Um, you know, in the past, I, you know, again, having grown up the way that I did with someone who really was struggling, you would be amazed the amount of messages we heard that were tough love. And I just think that's bullshit. Honestly, I think that sucks. And I'm really glad that as a culture, we are starting to reject the idea that tough love is going to help someone get better. It's not true. Mm. Um, And I have no problem taking that point of view. It doesn't work. And so, I think it's important for all of us to look for opportunities to reach out to people who are struggling, even people who aren't struggling. I saw something great on Instagram the other day that said, reach out to your strong friend. You know, like Mm. everyone has a strong friend who's like always doing really well. That person might need to talk more than anybody else. So for me, that's a big thing I've taken away is like, you know, you never, maybe it's cliche, but you really never know what someone's dealing with. Mm. And I think the more each of us can create a space for it to be okay to be struggling because like it's more than okay and in the past, maybe it hasn't been fully okay. So that's like a big takeaway for me is I'm just really glad we're having these discussions and I personally want to have more of them mm. online and offline. Um because doing it alone, like you said, Chase, it shouldn't be. It's just it shouldn't be an option. It's yeah. not going to work to do it alone. So I really do believe it's this conversation we've had today before we started recording. We kind of debated a little bit. Like this is a tough conversation. Is this our conversation to have? I think we need to have these difficult conversations, um, and that's true of so many topics in our culture right now uh, that are, are different, different subjects entirely. But we all really do need to do the difficult work of helping each other out because I believe yeah. that's what we're here to do.
0: Yeah, that's really lovely. Corbett, what do you think needs to be said that that hasn't been said yet?
2: Um man, Anthony Bourdain was like just like, you know, he was one of the names that I would write down when I thought about who who I admired most, you yeah. know. And uh who was like really true to themselves and and this is this is a really tough one. Um yeah. I I, uh, I don't know if there's anything to take away from that, but um, just. No, just, it's so true. It needs to be said.
0: It just needs to be like, it's like, I can't, I just don't tire of saying that. Yeah. Like I just watched his, uh, um, the uh, parts unknown where he went to San Francisco like in the last couple years or mm-hmm. the last five years or something like that. And the whole, conversa- the whole episode, it, I, just the way that he told the story, the things that he focused on, the conversations that he had, it was all about the tech world moving in. Mm-hmm. It was all about that through the lens of some restaurant owners, some great restaurants being closed or being about to be closed, and then also his, his like he juxtaposed that with his jujitsu. He just like he's like reason why I'm in San Francisco. I did not want to come to the city again. I love coming here, but like the reason why I come here is to train with this guy every day. You know, and this, he just has all these bits of his jujitsu stuff, which is so crazy. He was like 55 rolling on the floor with 23 year old you know account managers. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah,
2: and and you know when. When something like that happens, obviously, you know, like like you, I never got to meet Anthony Bourdain and and, uh, wish that I had, but uh, I'm far enough away from it to be obviously very sad and impacted, but at the same time comforted just by by remembering that um, you don't have to be sad that it's over. You can be happy that it happened and, you know, how lucky we are that we got to know somebody like that through all of those programs and all of the writings and
0: everything that he did. Yeah, I think one of the hardest things for me was this thought that really wanted to encroach into my head, which was like, dude, if he can't do this, Mm. like if he couldn't do it. And then I learned more about him and I realized like, no, dude, the guy had a different set of wounds than me. The guy was different than me. The guy had a had a very, very intense life. The guy's seen a lot more than I have seen. The guy has his own thing. Everybody's Robin Williams, I feel so similar to Robin Williams. Dude, he's his own thing. Mm-hmm. He's got his own stuff. Yes. You know, I have my own stuff. That's the stuff I need to be managing. I come back to my bonsai and it's like I cannot believe that that <laughs> that metaphor is taken, by the way, and that it's literally <laughs> perfect. It's like, of course, I'm going to say that for forever now. You know, I have to come back to my bonsai. I'm not trimming someone else's bonsai. I'm not saying like, oh, they couldn't keep their bonsai under under like in form. And so I won't be able to as well. It's like, well, if I'm not, then I'm not. But guess what? Like I like I had an awesome moment with my son today when he was being a little crapshoot and we were trying to figure out how to recover from this thing you know and we did and we got into some new space and i was like buddy why why do you do that you know why why and and he learned it was like, it was, you just see these things in your kid. It's like, there's nothing more powerful. There's nothing, I didn't know this, you guys, but there's nothing more powerful than, like, literally, like, meaningfully helping someone you actually care about. <laughs> Do you <laughs> know what I mean? It's like the best feeling. It's actually, like, the most empowering thing. Yeah. Um. And, dude, that's my, that's part of my bonsai. Yeah. You know? And I guess, I guess, you know, the
2: the last thing I'd like to say is just, um, You don't have to do anything, especially if it is, if it is encroaching on your happiness, your welfare, if, you know, you feel trapped by having to be on social media every day, Mm. don't do it. Like put it down and make time for yourself. Go for a walk instead, go, you know, hang out, have lunch with a friend, do something that do something every day for yourself and stop feeling like you do everything that you have to do because mm. somebody prescribed it to you or because you see somebody else doing it. And that's what it takes yeah. to be successful because remember that success isn't what's going to make you happy. And it's proven that social media doesn't make us all happier. So see it as mm. a tool and keep it at arm's length. Otherwise.
0: Yeah. I was thinking the Amen. other day I was just like, I was like, dude, Social media is just the computer's strategy at getting us to do community on the computer. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like the computer wants us. Yes. (laughs) It's like, like, don't leave the house. It's like, no, 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 fight. (laughs) Fight. Like, have a dinner party. Fight. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Go to a bar. Go. Fight. Don't let our digital overlords control you. Get a babysitter. (laughs) Fight. Do not let... Do not let the bits and bytes take over. And I mean, things, we lo- we just and, don't.
2: and things in life happen without being on social media. Yes, they really
0: do. They really Either do. It or not? It's a and a, that's a huge dude. Our culture. We are gonna we're gonna realize fifty or hundred years from now, or maybe five or whatever. We've already realized. Like the smartest among us, the research is already there. It's like, oh no, we made a horrible error. <laughs> like this is not the way to be interacting with people through a, a digital medium you know what I mean like this this is doing things to our psychology that we do not understand right now and and the, the like the fix is in you can kind of tell it's like whoa we need to we need to learn wisdom about this kind of stuff and that's like not at all what culturally we are fighting for we're not I mean, fighting for wisdom we're basically
2: going to turn our culture into 1800s london with soot everywhere
0: (laughs) because we don't realize how hazardous to our health coal is yeah totally totally and and just and just like you know be chimney sweeps i guess (laughs) so uh you know the one thing that i'll say in closing here is is uh is just to reiterate how really truly lovely it is to be able to build a business you know what I mean? To be able to do this entrepreneurship thing to try, let alone to like get traction, right? Is just it's we're so lucky to be able to do this because I got to go to therapy every Wednesday at one PM with my wife. I got to do that. I can go to the I can set a schedule myself. I can set my own schedule. I can say I'm gonna work out on Tuesdays and Thursdays at ten AM. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can do that. I can I can I can just I can shape parts of my life. Like I can work very hard to get to be able to shape, you know, myself parts of my life. And that's such an asset. That's such a, a, a grace. That's so, that's so we're so lucky. I feel like that's the human right. That's what we all need. That's why we have so many issues in our world is because everybody's struggling to stay alive and it and it like everybody knows they're in the end it's all i'm all my i'm on my own you know in some ways um i wish i could give that as a human right as it is right now it's something that you have to fight for and not and and your good intentions aren't enough you know your your feeling of connection to the universe and your feeling of like i know exactly what i need to be doing that doesn't entitle you to anything you still have Capital T, capital W, the work. You still have the work. We all have the work, you know? And uh and there's actually some there's salvation in the work. <laughs> there's learning, there's there's bonsai tending in the work. There is there is so much I learned about my own bonsai tree that I was taught by the work. Effectively, what I was taught was that like you have a bonsai tree to manage. You have a mental, you have a thing to manage. And you can do this. If you, if you put your mind to it, you can do it. You know? Um, not the success, but <laughs> the bonsai tree, managing the bonsai tree. Uh, I think in, in some ways, we, we all have this opportunity at success, but we all know that that's not actually equal. You know There's been a lot of, of people that, were, that, that didn't have the same level of access to, for instance, computers in the last five or ten years, you know, or to technology in any, there's there's ways that some people are, are, are more accessible to success than others, but that doesn't preclude the fact that so many of us are finding, like, rising above, are finding traction, are getting things to work, you know? It is possible, you're not entitled to anything, it's worth the try, and, uh, And it's almost, it's almost more than, it's more than bearable, it's doable when you realize and have the sense that I belong, that I'm a part of a community of people who are trying to do this, that like, this is, this is a worthwhile endeavor. Whatever the outcome, this is worthwhile to be working on. And I need to do it smart because that's what my, that's what my bonsai is asking of me. (laughs) Okay, guys, that's enough of the ranting. Corbett, Steph, lovely conversation. Thank thanks, you guys for awesome. being here. Yeah, thanks guys. Um, this was a very special conversation. This is episode, what is this? This is 272. All right, so for show notes and links, you can go to fizzleshow.co 272. Hope to see you there. See you on the social networks. Maybe share this, mes- this episode with, with a friend who needs to hear it. Mm. Or just kind of like spend a little time with your notebook uh, about this topic, about your own bonsai tree. And, and and how you can start owning the managing of it maybe more than you already have been if you're not feeling totally 100% on it. We're going to end it there. Fine care, take care, serve hard and dig in, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.